I just want to extend a welcome to each one of you guys if this is your first time joining us at Ironman Coffee. Uh, Dave Ogden, are you out there? I think you're uh, zooming in from the beach or something like that, right? I am, bro. How you doing? Good morning. Wor working on your tan? I am. <laughs> it's nice to see you this morning. Man, good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all your, right. Saw your setup with the... Uh... All your computers and phones and I was kinda, I'm 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 ready to rock and roll this morning at Ironman. I'm so excited about having Rogers Curvin uh, join us this morning. So I am too. I, uh, I was actually reading up on in the story, so I'm excited to hear a little bit about that. I wasn't sure if you guys were friends before this or if you knew him. Yeah, we've been before. friends for a few years, and awesome. So Rogers has got quite a story. So I'm excited about him presenting this morning. So. I'll turn it over to you and you can open us up in prayer and then bring me back on and I'll officially introduce Rogers. Awesome. Thanks, David. Hey guys, well, good morning, everybody. And I uh, hope everybody's doing well. I know uh, we're watching some COVID numbers going up and uh, there's a point in time where all of us are being affected by that. Uh, personally, I have a family member who um, has COVID and is in a hospital. So uh, we want to reach out and give prayers to everybody. So if you join me in a prayer, dear Heavenly Father, I want to First, Lord, come to you and give you praise, honor, and glory for everything you've done in my life, everything you've done for the, the group of Ironmen of God here. And I ask that uh, you continue those blessings upon us, Lord. We pray for our community um, as many people struggle through COVID uh, in the hospital, out of the hospital, uh, some difficult, intense times that we're going through our community. Lord, we ask that you be with us. And we ask, Lord, that, um, that this be an opportunity for us to show, shine our light, shine your light, Lord, for others to see. Um, what a great opportunity in the midst of all this chaos that we're seeing, Lord. So again, Lord, I want to pray for uh, our speaker coming up. I'm excited to hear him. Lord, I ask that it's your words that come through his mouth and that it uh, permeates inside our hearts and that we pick that up. We pick that torch up and we go through the rest of the week um, uh, having some more discipline in our life and thinking about what that means how how intentional that is lord so again we thank you give you praise honor and glory for everything you've done for us it's your name we pray amen hey david you want to pop back on that was quick yep. man I'm here. yeah i'm i'm fast with the uh, the finger here poking on the screen hey if i could man i want to i want to give a shout out to our first responder groups man they have been just so amazing uh through this time number one but i also want to give a challenge i think i've, I've talked to you already um, we are on our, I think, our fifth Bible app study, man. Let me look here. And awesome. some of the other, some of the other groups haven't done this. You know, we started this in the beginning of COVID, actually a little bit before. And we've done Play the Man, Fight Devotional, Transform, Finding Peace, Heart of the Warrior. We just finished a 52-day, 52-minute of Bible study. And uh, when that wasn't enough, a couple days ago, we just started 100 days in the Torah. We're about five days into that right now. So, man, this has just been so amazing to watch the guys kind of come together. Every day we get to talk. So make sure you're in the Word every single day. Not only that, we're just seeing, uh, I'm seeing these guys like open up in discussion. And we have, we have one particular guy who has a lot of knowledge on, on the Old Testament. And, uh, and it's just been some great conversations. So I want to issue an Ironman challenge to the other groups if you're not doing that as a, as a group through this time, it's those, these Bible projects are just so awesome. You can start with a five day or 10 day 
and kind of work your way on up. So it's a great Ironman challenge that I'd love to throw out to the other groups. So that's Man, that's a that's a great challenge because I know Dave that that comes at a perfect time because a lot of the men that I see on the list we probably have about 60 guys that are on right now, but a lot of them are meeting in small groups. So what a great challenge for the table captains to hear alongside of all of their uh, guys that are sitting around the table with them this morning. So appreciate so that awesome. challenge. All right, man, I'm going to turn it over to you. Can't wait to hear. Hey, you. one one thing before you leave. You know, I issued I issued a challenge to all the men that every time that they see a police officer, that they just extend a, a warm thank you. And then if they're in line to, to buy him coffee or buy him lunch, man, I think I've I've spent like, you know, three hundred dollars this past week. <laughs> I got it somehow. Uh, but you know, one thing I there's a restaurant that's right here in my neighborhood called NYPD Pizza. And um they, it, there's so many cops that come to that. Last night I went over there just to see my daughter, and I got a um, an ice water, and and then I saw one cop come in, and then another, and then another, and then another, and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be a big bill. <laughs> so I, of course, my daughter's waiting on them, and uh, I blessed them and treated them, and I told I left before they had a chance to say thank you, but I told Brooke to say to them, my dad is just a huge supporter of the police department here locally, and abroad and just we just wanted to he just wanted to say thank you and uh they were just so humble these were orange county guys they were just so humble and so thankful and then uh, you know what's what it's doing is inspire other people that were sitting at other tables that were wanting to do it and they found out that i did it so now they're doing it to others so guys if you're out there if you're out there just you know this is a great time just to extend a, a a thank you to our officers that are out there that you see in our community and it's a wonderful way just to express gratitude and thanks just by buying them a cup of coffee or a, or a lunch. So I just I would ask you guys just to continue that same vein. I'm doing it, and every time I see an officer, I'm extending thank you. I'm inviting these the men. Yesterday it was two women and, and two men, but yesterday I'm, I'm inviting all these guys to Ironman, and I'm uh, I'm leveraging Dave Ogden's reputation in our community, which is a great one. And so he's such a, a humble man and a great leader and it's easy to tie in Ironman to Dave Ogden. And a lot of guys are very uh, uh, attracted to the fact that he's such a respected man. So thank you, Dave, for everything you do. Appreciate you being in my yeah, life. Thank you. thank you for doing that. What a way to tie this into what we're doing. I'll add one more thing, man, because it's a, law enforcement's a passion of mine, but uh, uh, well, as you invite these first responders, I think it's a great time to invite them to Ironman, man. If, if, if they kind of even seem on the fence or not know, hand them my cell phone. My cell phone number is on the town website. It's out there. People are, people are like, cell phones on the website. It is, man. So it's open to anybody. And I'd, I'd love for us to, to gain more first responders through this entire. I mean, that's how, we're, that's, how we're, that's how we can be the light. That's how we look. That's what discipleship, I think, looks like. So anybody on this call, you can have my number. I'll uh, put it up there later on. I'm, I'm live for that. And if you want to hand that to another law enforcement officer and tell them what we do, and we have a special first responder group, please do that. I'm just going to offer that up. So I'm going to let you go, man. Good talking awesome. To you. Thanks, Dave. Good Thank talking you. to you, too. Man, I'm, I'm excited about introducing you to Rogers, with an S, Rogers Curvin. And Rogers is going to come on just a second. Yeah, thank you, Mike, for what a great picture. Um, and so Rogers is a businessman in our community that I've known for several years. I met him through, I believe, Brian Buckley from the Better Man event. And uh, Rogers has closed many, many transactions in the private equity space. He's uh, taken companies public. 
He's done buyouts. He's done mergers. He's done a number of different area, you know, things within that business realm. Over four billion with a B, four billion. That's that's just a huge number. A number of transactions and value of his transactions over the many years that he's been doing, which is about twenty-five. He's married. He's got kids and grandkids and. He's just a, a guy that's filled with all kinds of wisdom. So I, I actually have my white pad and my pen. So hopefully you guys are ready to take notes because after Roger speaks, you're going to have a page full. So Rogers, why don't you turn your camera on and join us? I don't see you yet, but you're, you may be there. There you are. There we go. <laughs> and you're looking good this morning, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. We got a boatload of guys and the guys that you see on the attendee list are several guys that are meeting with small groups around our community. So you're probably on iPads everywhere. Uh, so welcome to Ironman. Excited about what you have uh, to say this morning that God has laid on your heart. Good. Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to share a little bit of my story. It's uh, somewhat unique. And I know our topic is discipline. And I want to redefine discipline as just being intentional. Because that, I get more legs to myself if I say, well, am I disciplined in my eating? That's a little different than saying I'm intentionally eating clean. I'm intentional in my drinking. I'm intentional in my workout. And so I know we love the verse in the Proverbs that says, he who loves discipline loves knowledge. But I want to turn our attention a little bit towards the fruit of the spirit, which is self-control. And what I'm gonna be speaking about this morning is how I came to write this little book, six and a half things that I've learned in 65 years. You can get it on Amazon. And I wanna, I wanna share with you the story about how I came to it and why I came to it. And it's really six and a half things that will build a great life a life that you can have with no regrets, a satisfied life, a life where you are sure that you are living not only into what God has for you, but you're being the best you can be. I'll hit three of the uh, six and a half things uh, this morning because of our time constraints. Uh, and you can get the book and get the other three. How's that for a commercial? Okay. Uh, who you're talking to, it's important to understand that I'm I'm a guy that was raised and I took my dad's address, a small town in South Carolina, uh, Britain's Neck, Clawson. It was right outside of Florence, South Carolina. And uh, it had a population of about 218. It's a metropolis now. It's about 220, uh, growing rapidly. They're very excited about it. And in this little small town, my family was divorced and uh, swapping wives and husbands and all kind of stuff. And at 13, somehow I figured out, I don't like this. This is not for me. This is not the way I wanna live. And so what I did was I said, sheesh, I'll just leave home. So I left home, I lived with a couple of my friends, I lived with my stepdad, I lived with my mom, I lived with my dad, and every summer, I would go to a Boy Scout camp and I was a counselor there. Began my scouting career by lying about my age. They knew I was only 13. Uh, you had to be 16 to be a camp counselor, but somehow I got through. 
and uh, became one of the youngest Eagle Scouts there in South Carolina and ultimately the chief of our honor organization called the Santee Lodge. And so that began the process of, okay, let's set a life out and build a life. And I've taught all five of my kids, uh, seven now. I'll explain that in a little bit in a minute. And I said, you know, I, let me build a good life. I don't have to have the life that I've been living. I don't have to have the family I've been living or the values. I can, I can have other values. So that took me to Clemson. Now, we could talk about football for a few minutes, but I won't bore you with uh, Clemson since we have 23 COVID football players out there. But at Clemson, I met the love of my life, Christy Bell. And I'm telling you, when we met and we began going out together, this was not just a love or a romance. This was a fulfilling, wonderful uh, expression of what life really could be. She was a beautiful redhead. Um, she took me on an adventure for 35 years. Uh, that adventure gave us five kids, uh, five out-of-state educations, five cars, five watches, and a whole lot of uh, wonderful experiences literally all over the world. And we just had a great time together. I would wish my relationship with her on any man. Uh, it was just wonderful. We had in our, our house, and I don't know how I got here. I mean, some things I know how I got there and other things I think, you know, how did this happen? And I just attributed it to grace, just plain old grace. It happened because God wanted it to happen. It had nothing to do with me. But our economy was simple. Raising, being raised the way I was and seeing my parents act the way they did, I knew that couples had conflict over sex they have conflict over money, and they have conflict over raising kids. And I, I can tell you, we began that conversation very early in our marriage. We got married as juniors at Clemson. And we figured out in that first maybe two years. And then for 33 years, we had no conflict over sex, no conflict over money. We always had conflict over, we shouldn't have done that with that kid. Because when you have five kids, you have lots of uh, challenging situations. And sometimes you make the right move, sometimes you don't. But that having that type of peace and that type of fulfillment and that type of uh, wonderment was really, really, really fun for me. Again, I would wish my relationship with her on any man. Now, it was my habit to go to the islands. We kept a boat over in the Abacos. It's my habit to go over for New Year's every year and take all the kids and grandkids. And so I took the kids and the grandkids and Christy Bell was running down the steps of the boat and slipped and hit her, her rib. And so that night she was wheezing. And I said, golly, babes, you gotta get back and get that looked at. Of course, there's no x-ray or anything over in the Abacos. So uh, she flew back and talked to my doctor and my doctor called me. And this is a long-term friend and hunting buddy. And he says, Raj, where are you? I said, well, I'm in the islands. He said, well, get here quick. So what are you talking about? Now, now this guy was and is Captain Kirk. He never gets upset about anything. 
he never, um, he was always calm. He was always good. So, you know, now I'm on high alert. I'm saying, what in the world? So I fly back um, and uh, left the kids and their spouses and grandkids. And we find she's got a tumor in her chest about the size of a grapefruit. And it was a bad, we found out maybe three or four weeks later, it was a bad B-cell lymphoma. And uh, the chances of her surviving uh, three years or more was not real great. Now I gotta tell you, from a guy that woke up every morning thinking about how he can be good to a woman and she tried to outlove me, I tried to outlove her, we had you know, quite a run. So at that time, I had about seven companies in the portfolio. I am a venture guy, as David said, I, I can't keep a job. Uh, I like to build companies and I love to sell companies. And so I had seven in the portfolio at the time. I sold five of them within six weeks. I have great partners. I had great partners at that time. Still got great partners. And I sold them. And I said, listen, I'm going to figure out how we can give her the best chance of success. And so I spent a lot of time. I took her to Houston. I took her to Stanford. I took her to MD Anderson. I took her anywhere I could take her to get second, third, fourth opinions. We ended up at University of Florida doing a stem cell uh, transplant. And we tried, I exhausted every opportunity to try to save her. Well, she died in my arms uh, three years and two months later. And I got to tell you, what took me to this book, these six and a half things, was when she died, something happened in me. Now, you're, you're talking to a guy that's optimistic and gets up every morning ready to win the world and beat the world and trust the Lord and grow. And I mean, I've always been uh, very vigorous in those respects, but something happened to me. So the way I decided I was going to do my grieving is I, because I love boats. I said, shoot, we'll take a boat from Stewart, Florida to Argentina. We made it to St. Martin. And uh, so here was my schedule. I would wake up crying because I had a loss. And it was an uncontrollable crying. It was not like, um, you know, I'm just thinking about her and crying. It's I'm waking up crying. And what happened in that was, you know, you're talking to a guy that's been in control of his emotions. I mean, if you're in the venture business, your emotions are way down there. And um, so I was always in control of my emotions. I thought I was crazy. I got to a point, I'd get up, I'd cry from about sunup to about 11 o'clock and then I'd be cried out, which was good. I'd take a nap. We'd run the boat somewhere else to another island. We hopped the whole way, of course. About three o'clock, I would um, uh, just slip over the side and shoot a hogfish or get a lobster or something for dinner. I was with a fabulous friend that has uh, been very, very good to me and very, very uh, just unbelievable friend and he would kind of take care of me never judge me he knew i was a mess and uh we would cook and then we'd do it all over again the next day about two months into the deal 
I was down in Dominican Republic and uh, I just decided, you know, there is no God. There's no, there, there's no God. He's not caring for me. And I intellectually kind of wove this in my head and it scared me to death. So immediately I called my pastor, he flew down and he sat with me and he said, yeah, well, yep, yep. Yep, I hear it. I hear you. I hear you. He didn't try to debate with me. He didn't try to scripturize me. He just was with me. And that was the beginning of the turn. And what I can tell you is what I, what I learned is God is really, really good. He will take care of you in every point. He will guide you. When you're in the dark night of the soul, he will take care of you. What I don't understand and what I haven't learned yet is how I could get myself to such a dark place. And I think there's a darkness in me and there's a darkness in each one of us that when we bump up against us, it, uh, it's a scary part of life. And we need to kind of see that so that we can be the best people we can be and be intentional with our lives. Okay, now to the couple of the six and a half things. Thing one, Thing one, and I've always been enthralled with what I call the science of success. How do I get successful? That is a science. And then the art of fulfillment, because a lot of people that are so-called successful are not fulfilled. And so I've always balanced those two things. What is the science of success and the art of fulfillment, the art of creating value? In the venture business, that's not real normal. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what we have been trying to do. So thing one, thing one, the ground floor is to pursue more. Now, what I mean by pursuing more, and that's been kind of my mantra, most people are governed by their habits, their fears, or the opinions of others. That's it. That's, that's how they make up their life. That's how they live their life. Okay, this is, I've done it, my habit. Oh, I've done this always the same way, and so I'm gonna keep doing it the same way, or other people have done it this way, I should do it this way. And I'm governed by my habit or my fears. I'm scared of missing out. I'm scared of being wrong. I'm scared of failure. Uh, I'm scared of any type of fear that might be there uh, from people. And then lastly, which is probably one of the strongest messages we hear in our heads is the opinion of others. Um, I remember uh, my Graham had a, a great, great saying. Uh, she said, do not listen to others, listen to your heart. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, and I'll mention her a little bit later here, but you know, the opinions of others, if somebody says you can't do that, you're unable to do that. You're not that good. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You don't, if you listen to those voices, they will shipwreck you every single time. So you gotta set goals that are real goals. Every entrepreneur that I work with and invest in right now, you know the first question? How much money you wanna make? And if they say, well, as much as I can, or you know, this, I, I'm out. I'm out, I'm not gonna invest in that type of guy. But if a guy says, hey, listen, I want to make this. And then I, second question is in what time frame? He says, I want to make X dollars in X years. I'm saying, okay, I can work with him because he's got a goal and we can work backwards into that goal. 
And what if in you stepped out of your life and looked into your life and you said, what if I give up my habits? What if I give up my fears? What if I give up my opinions of others? What God do you want my goals to be? Where do you want me to progress? How do you want me in my relationships? How do you want me? And so thing one I've seen, and this is the, just the first puzzle piece of building a great, great life is you got to pursue more. I named one of the boats, pursue more, uh, to remind myself. And so I think pursuing more is a perpetual process of working on yourself, not saying I don't have this because somebody didn't do that. Work, find a way, find a way to pursue more, to grow, uh, to move your life forward. So that's thing one. Thing two, this is self-evident, but it is not self-lived. Nothing happens without optimism. Now, my grand, my grandmother who gave me Bible verses on three by five cards was the beginning of my salvation. Um, I would come over to her place. She'd maybe sit on the couch across from her. She'd smoke a cigarette and talk to me about the scriptures. And um, great lady. And she would sing to me this little song whenever I had one wonderful idea, because I had a lot of good ideas. I thought I was going to change the world, very idealistic at the time. He'd say, they said it couldn't be done. They said it could not be done. But with a will and a grin, Raji jumped right in. And sure enough, he couldn't do it. And then she would lean towards me and she'd smile and she'd say, but sometimes he did. I live for those sometimes. I live for those times when you try and we all fail our way to success. We don't like to say it that way. I don't, yeah, I've done billions of dollars of transactions. I don't talk about the ones that were failures. Uh, they're in there, uh, but I don't talk about that. What we want to do is be optimistic and believing that we can move forward. And that's probably a bigger, what you believe, what you think your identity is, as I've seen, is one of the bigger elements. Now, why did I just choose six and a half things, two of which I've reviewed with you? It, I wanted you to have a chance to have a cup of coffee and get the biggies. And today, I can tell you nothing will happen in your life if you're not optimistic. Think of it this way. And I say this to my cohorts all the time. If you believe you can, or you believe you can't, you are right. You're absolutely right. If you believe you can, you can. If you believe you can't, you can't. And working with yourself to change your mindsets is a part of the optimistic philosophy that I like to have. I like T.E. Lawrence's little quote where it says, all men dream, but some in the dusty recesses of the night. But the dangerous men, the dangerous men are the men that dream with their eyes wide open to make it happen. And I think we ought to be dangerous men. And particularly in this time of COVID, I love the admonition to help our first responders. Uh, we're doing that in a lot of ways ourselves. 
we got to be dangerous people. We have got to believe and we've got to say, okay, I'm going to be optimistic. Everybody else, is, I, I can't hardly listen to any of the news because of the pessimism. It's out there and it is growing and it is, uh, we can't be those people. We got to set a different agenda and we should. Thing one, ground floor is to pursue more. Thing two, nothing happens without optimism. Thing three, put God first. Put God first. I like what David said in the Psalms. I set the Lord continually before me. Now, if you get the book, you realize this is the half thing because about half the time I get this right and I pursue more beautifully and good things happen. Putting him first, I mean, God counseled me on that boat with Christy Bell's passing. He corrected me on that boat. He discipled me. He loved me. He appreciated me. And whenever I was intentionally putting him first and putting him in my day, then I would have that response from God. And that's what we really want. We want a response from God because of our actions that we take. And putting God first is a conscious, deliberate, determined effort. It is not just, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, here I am, you know, let's go. You have to be intentional. That's why I wanted to redefine discipline as being intentional. My question is, do you really read the scriptures? By the way, I, I've almost given up uh, reading scriptures because I walk every morning and I love listening to them. And I find that they are very different listening to than they are reading. Uh, and I've been really listening for about a year now. It's been real fun. I still read too, but it's real fun to listen. Do you intentionally say your prayers? Do you intentionally say, God, do you want me to work out now or later? Uh, do you intentionally say, God, what can I do for this person? What can I make? How can I make a contribution to them? How can I make their lives better? Those are the sayings that someone is putting God first has. Those are the messages and the self-talk they're having. And, you know, we all, uh, as iron men, we all know that uh, this is probably the thing that trumps all other things is to have that relationship in a way that is meaningful to us, that is real to us, that we can feel and we can know and we can share with others. And so putting God first is thing three that I wanted to lay out before us here today. David, anything else there? Yeah, right. Rogers, I want you to go through all of them. I'm on the edge. I'm on the edge of my chair. I mean, I've only got this this much notes going on here. You can see my notes here. You look at the screen. Um, awesome. So I figure we, me, you, you and I. I will hit one more. Let me hit one more. Yeah. Just, thank you. Just, thank you. You know, I'll be I'll be good here. Here's thing four. You can make yourself better or you can make yourself feel better. And this concept, I, this, by the way, I took a long time learning this one. And I'm still not at the top of the game here. 
being right all the time is overrated. Sometimes it's not worth the heartache that you cause in others by being right. But you can make yourself feel better by saying a cutting remark, a putting someone in their place, um, making sure that they know that you know more than they know, that you're right and they're wrong. And the truth is, how can it be wrong to prove yourself right, right? It is. Many, many times, keeping relationships is more important than being right. And so that is, of all the things, the book's got a little traction. More people talk about that little section. You can make yourself better or you can make yourself feel better. And so if you're intentional and you say, okay, I got this guy hands down. Um, who wins an argument with their wife? Nobody. Nobody. I mean, nobody. <laughs> who, I've who tried and this? it doesn't work. How, how does being right with your wife help anything? Wrong. Wrong. So we need to take that into our businesses, into our other practices, and into our other our other relationships. So this uh, this past weekend, my daughter and I want to I want to dive a little bit into your first point because I know you're a very intentional man and you're a very disciplined man i know that about you for sure and i know there's intentionality with how you i'm assuming there's intentionality with how you numbered your six and a half points and so this past weekend my daughter brie visited a church with a friend i won't name the church but it's um, a, a church in our broader community here and she came back and she was like very disturbed with what she heard from the pastor. And uh, a lot of the message was around pursuing uh, wealth and that if you give more, you get more, you give more kind of the prosperity gospel. And so this first point, obviously, just by the fact of the nature of pursue more, all, most of us men, we instantly go to more money. You know, we go right there really quick. I want to pursue more things, more money, more stuff. And I know I know that's not the intention behind point one. But um, talk to me a little bit more about pursuing more specifically in, in light of my working on myself and my relationship with God, uh, because if that's not in order, then a lot of these other things begin to fall apart, I would assume. So. I just wanted to flush that out a little bit more with you. My, my thought process is a little different. I'll give you an alternative view. All of us that have accomplished anything have gotten there and said, is this all there is? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all of us. I mean, I don't care how many zeros you got behind your name. You've, we've all been at the point where, yeah, I accomplished that. That was good. Well, so what? And guys that love things, women probably love relationships more. Guys that love things want to put a thing in that box. And so the pursue more is pursue your heart, pursue your God, pursue your faith, pursue your body, pursue your mind, pursue those things because you already know once you get the goal, well, hooray. I mean, I, you know, in my younger years, I was given over to making that first million dollars. I mean, I was given over. I was so depressed after I did it. I mean, I just, I said, are you kidding me? I mean, the, the pursuit was a lot more 
fun than the attainment. And anybody with any intellectual prowess understands that. And I think if you're growing, uh, and you grow in different ways in different times or different seasons in life, but if you're growing and you're pursuing more and you're moving your standards up, that's pursuing more in my economy here. Now, this uh, past weekend was Father's Day, as I'm sure you're well aware. Having now, now you were going to mention um, you've got five, but then you got two more. So, yep. how did that happen? Talk to us about that. So, it's a it's a great little story. It's a great story. Um, I'd been on the boat for about a year grieving and I'd come back every six weeks and talk to my five kids and you know they'd say dad you're a mess and I'd say yeah I am you know uh and then my my boys took me to dinner my 30 something boys and they said dad you've been on a perpetual spring break for almost a year <laughs> and I <laughs> I said are you worried about your dad or your net worth what's going on here? <laughs> and they said both. <laughs> so he said, you got to come back and you got to come back and start reinvesting. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. But before I did that, I went to Napa Valley. Uh, I love wine. And so I woke up in the morning crying again. This was a year out. I woke up in the morning crying again. And um, I'll share this vulnerably with you guys. I do not share this very often. But I woke up and I was walking down Yontville Avenue, right there in Yontville, walking down the road. And I was overcome with grief. And I was overcome with, oh man, I lost Christy. And I was crying and I looked down and in the concrete, someone had put a bronze plaque that said Christy. And I said, Okay, Lord. Wow. wow. Okay, Lord. And then it was as if I heard her voice. What are you doing? You, I'm in a better place and I ain't coming back. And I would not come back if I could. And I said, okay, okay, okay. So I had to kind of ante up and uh, pursue more myself to accept and to move forward. Came back, started, I saw a lady in church and I uh, started chasing her a little bit and she has two kids and um, the way I met her I she has a redheaded daughter so I have the original redheaded stepchild <laughs> <laughs> she and my wife was a redhead she's a very beautiful redhead and um, uh, so I always have a thing for redheads so I go into the church and she's crying she's 16 years old now, and you know, and redheads cry, it ain't pretty. They get blotchy and they get, you know, it, this, it ain't pretty. So I walked up to her and I said, what in the world? I said, you're 2% of the world's population. Why are you crying? And she looked up at me and said, my boyfriend broke up with me last night. You know, it's a normal drama. So I tried to console her a little bit. And then it was her mom that now is my wife, Pam. And that's how I met Pam. And, um, so now instead of having five days to pray for kids, I have seven days. Each kid has their own day. I'm very intentional about them having their day. And if, if they need me in another day, it's too bad. I'm just, <laughs> that's their day. <laughs> so 
we have a great life together. Uh, she's been a wonderful uh, savior in a lot of ways for me, and we're rebuilding. Wow, that's awesome. I, I'm, I'm gonna step away just for a half a second because I wanna I wanna show you something. Hold on. <clears throat> While David has stepped away, let me let you know that uh, Roger's book is on Amazon. Thank you, David. We're gonna showcase that here in just a second. This is, I had something that's over here. I didn't plan to show this to you, but I wanted you to talk a little bit more also about uh, nothing happens without optimism because if I'm pursuing more, so for example, my daughters are 22, gonna be 23 and 20 in August. And uh, so this past weekend, my 19 year old took me out for dinner and she paid and she drove which was oh, super cool. Yeah. And so she took me out for dinner and she gave me this. And as I'm reading it, I, I tears are just coming down my face because I had a goal 20 years ago when she was born and doctors brought her into my arm. I did not want to be a father that would look back with regret. And, um, and so I had a goal, I had a, uh, I had, and I was very intentional with this. And this was that moment where it all began to kind of come together and where I'm like, man, I've achieved that. And um, there are some of us dads that are on there that maybe didn't have that kind of goal and didn't have that kind of intention. And I wanna have you flush a little bit about grace uh, in that space and that it's never too late and to continue to be optimistic. Um, but, you know, with Bree, you know, she gave me this and she um, ah. she took the ac acronym DADDY and uh, each one spelled out a specific thing that I've been a devoted dad. I've been ambitious. And in the area of ambitious, she said, you have a desire to create goals and fulfill them, whether that be starting a men's group or starting your own company. And uh, then she said, I was dope. I guess that's being cool. Uh, and then I've been dependable and I've been young at heart. And so she's created that. And then Rogers, I couldn't help but think about this as an example of how I wanted to pursue more. I wanted to be a great dad. And I I, I wanted to be optimistic because there's been some times in that 20 year journey where I'm like, this is so hard being a dad. But you know, what do you what do you do so when you haven't necessarily been, you know, you look back and you do have some regret. Uh, what do you do with that regret? In this moment, I don't have that, but there's other things where I look back and go, man, I wish I would have, and it's it's easy for me to get discouraged and not be optimistic. What do you do with that? You, you read Philippians, and you say, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what's ahead, and you erase that regret by reaching forward, by being optimistic, by pursuing more. I mean, so it, it ties I mean, into your fail it's, forward, it's, right? I mean, one of the other little principles we didn't hit is I have two minds, one's logical and one's emotional. And if you let that emotional mind of regret cause you not to build for the future, that's not going to serve you well. That just doesn't serve you well. You've got to now. And this is this is tough. I'm not saying this is not. Man, I had a, a 11 year stint with one of my daughters. And it was gut-wrenching, gut, -wrenching, gut oh, oh, oh. 
and you know now we couldn't be better friends it's all gone so i'm forgetting what lies behind there i'm i'm saying you know i'm reaching forward to what's ahead in building the future we can change the future we do change the future we can't change the past and if like i said if your habit is looking to your past oh baby not a good place to look and then as i as i tell my kids and my team there's two railroad tracks one is good things and one is bad things and they happen all the time i mean today there's going to be a track of good things that happen with me and there's going to be a track of bad things or unfavorable or unpleasant things but this rough this world's a rough chaotic place it's rough and it's, do i want to focus on the good track or do I want to focus on the bad track? And so I think in times of regret, you can't focus on that bad track. you got to focus on what takes you forward. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Last thing I want to flush out with you is um, you had a buddy. When you were on the boat, you had a buddy. Now, your buddy was with you, I would imagine, in the midst of the depth of the storm of losing your bride, Christy. And then he was there with you after the storm for the aftermath on the boat. You know, there's a lot of guys that try to do this by themselves, whatever it might be. And uh, the importance of having a buddy alongside of you during the midst of the storm all the emotion that you were going through as you were going from doctor to doctor to doctor to have somebody there. I'd love for you to talk about that for a second. And then having that, that male man, that, you know, that buddy in the in aftermath too. talk about that as well. I, I was born for this time. I, this is my destiny. My closest uh, confidant, since first grade is a doctor at National Institutes of Health. His name's Charlie. He's a scientist and he's he's 180 degrees from me. Uh, you know, he's just a total science guy. We're the same in that I read about 50 books a year. He reads about 50 books a year. The difference is I remember two and he remembers 48. <laughs> I hate guys like that, man. <laughs> yeah, he's that kind of guy. And he loves God and he loves the scriptures and he just, and so when I got the diagnosis, I called him and he said, send the lab work. And he went through, I mean, NIH is probably the most premier institution in the world for diagnosis of disease states. So he was really helpful. Plus he'd call me probably two or three times a week and say, hey, I don't have a lot of time. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I'm with you. Or when we ever talked, he'd say, let me pray for you. On the boat, uh steve just was gracious i mean he didn't say ah quit crying you sucker you know you know what, what's going on here i thought you were a christian you know he didn't, none of that we just kind of lived and we just hung together and uh and dan my other friend same thing just hung with me i'm here i'm here and uh i remember one night in saint martin i was kind of coming out of it and um the pastor had left and we we were sitting there having dinner in a great little uh french restaurant there in the french side of saint martin 
And he said, you know, this is the only thing he said to me. He says, you know, you're, you're kind of free. I'm saying, what are, you, what are you talking about? He says, you know, you can do anything you want now. You could do anything you want. And that encouragement got my mind thinking, well, maybe I can build a new life. You know, maybe I can, you know, I, I can start over. I can rebuild. But that was after a year. <laughs> that was after a lot, a lot of crying, a lot of messing around, you know, a lot of ups and downs. You know, this um, one of the main reasons why we created Ironman is a discipleship ministry. That's the main thing, because Jesus gave us a command when he left to go out and disciple and to share the good news. And um, there's so many of us men that think that we're islands. And um, it's so cool to hear your story, the, the fact that you had two guys, one in the midst of the storm and then one after the storm. And um, I just I just want all, every guy that's on this call to hear it, that I'm thankful that you're part of our community of Ironmen. But if for some reason you're still feeling like you're an island, you know, reach out to your table captain and talk to him about the fact that you want to do more life. I mean, I know there's table captains out there. I can see them on the list that are intentionally getting together with the, you know, the social separation, but you're still getting together face to face. Cause this, this meet mode of doing it this way is one thing, but it's another thing when I'm sitting across the table from a guy like Rogers and I'm, I'm sharing my heart with him. And so the fact that Rogers had two guys, those two guys were intentional. They were way before the storm in his life. And, um, but yeah, so I just, I think you listen to that story from what Rogers is saying and then just say, you know what? I want to intentionally have a great relationship with another man or two or three in my life, you know, so that I can do life with them. So when that storm does happen and it will, that you can call them up and say, man, I'm just struggling with this, or hey, I need some help here. And so I know I'm thankful. I've got a few guys like that in my life. Dave Ogden, who was on the first part of the call, is one of those guys. I know if I've, I ever needed him, he would drop everything in a moment, and he'd be there for me. And I've got several of those guys. I've been very blessed ever since we started Ironman. So I just as a word of encouragement, as you hear Rogers talk about the fact that he had two buddies at really the most difficult time in his entire life, he had two guys that were there. And um, that's just a very meaningful, special part of your story, Rogers. It's, um, I mean, I couldn't have made it without him. I mean, it's not like it was just kind of an added benefit. It was life-giving. It was life-saving. And I, we do need other men. And, you know, it's hard for guys to get across what I call the black line. And that is, except fully. You know, David, if you and I spent a little more time together, I would know all your strengths and I'd know your weaknesses. But to accept them all and say, hey, we're just going to do life together. That's what Dan tells me all the time. I'm here. I'm here. I ain't going anywhere. I'm here. And, you know, we're so performance oriented. Once you cross that black line and you have a couple guys and like you have and like I have, it's unbelievable how God will speak to you through them. Um, now, they got they can't be yes guys. I got some of those, too. You know, 
but they got to be guys that'll just tell you the truth. Like, Raj, that's the stupidest thing that's ever come out of your mouth. You know, or, you know, or, or let me give you an alternative to that stupid thing you're saying, or that idea won't, you know. So that's, that's, uh, that's what it's all about. Let me flush one thing out that you just mentioned, because in point two, you had mentioned that you got to be careful of those people, right? Because they may drain your optimism of sorts. But at the same time, the Bible uh, counsels us to get good counsel from people. So talk a little bit more about that as we close up. I, I think I term it BGP, big God people. The people that are close to me over years, I trust because they're big God people that have my interest. They have my interest. But listen, uh, one of them's a really good uh, father. One of them's a fantastic teacher. I don't go to the teacher for father advice. I want competence and I want character. I don't think all characters are competent in everything. And so I think the, what you have to look at, I mean, you don't go to your broke Uncle Joe and say, how do I start a business? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you don't go to the heart surgeon uh, just because he's a Christian and he's never done it. You know, you want to go to somebody that's competent and somebody that has character. So I think walking through life, you, you see those things more clearly as you are more intentional about it. Love that. Love that. Uh, Mike, why don't you bring up the book so that the uh, the men can know how to order it. All right. So if you guys want to take a screenshot there, this is the the directions. What I found when I ordered it uh, off of Amazon is I just typed in Rogers Curvin in the search and uh, six and a half things popped right up. Or you can type in that long URL there. Um, or you just go into Amazon, type in Rogers Curvin, and uh, you get a copy of the book there. Rogers, are all these personally signed by you? <laughs> oh, if you want me to do anything, I will. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I know that uh, uh, one of our men, Tom Lopez, has made you one of the custom Ironmen of God pens. Oh. And uh, Tom and our entire team just thank you for taking the time and uh, what you spent just with us this morning, sharing us, you know, some wisdom. And I would love to have you close us out in prayer, if you don't mind. But that pen is in the mail to you. And uh, Tom Lopez just, he hand makes these Bethlehem uh, harvested uh, olive wood pens. And so this is a, a handmade pen that Tom Lopez has made. So it's in the mail for you. So thank you so much for pouring into us this morning, brother and being intentional and just focusing and kicking off the month on discipline. So why don't you close this in prayer and, and I appreciate and have a wonderful weekend this weekend, brother. I will. I will. And I'll try to find how I can get one of those Iron Men of God t-shirts too. So. Hey, there we, go. we can hook you up. Mike, Mike Winslow on the call. He's there. He's the one that provides them all. So the next time we meet, I'll have one for you. There you go, brother. Uh, God, you are our God. You are our hope. You are our sustenance. You're the person that uh, leads us. I pray that we would take our last remaining days and make them days for you, that we would set you continually before us. 
we would have principles that we live by and we guide our actions by and that we would be following you. We know, Lord, that he who loves discipline loves knowledge. Give us this knowledge. Give us this knowledge so we can be the best we can be. We can see those gifts that you've already given us, fulfilled and cause good things to happen for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Rogers. Appreciate you, buddy. Men, have a wonderful weekend. Love you guys. Table captains, reach out to your guys if they didn't show up today and, and continue to love on them.